If you have your Bibles, our reading is going to come from 1 King. I want, to, I want to explore this perspective of creating through the lenses of a man named Solomon. King Solomon was a young man who became a king at a very young age, and he felt inadequate to be the king at a certain young age. He did the best thing you can do when you feel inadequate. He went to God and asked God for wisdom to be able to govern well, which is what we're trying to do, right? The goal of us assignment is to be the best stewards possible what God has trusted us with. Like, we want to steward our marriage well. We want to steward our parenting well. We want to steward our finances well. You got your stimulus check? You better steward that well. That, that will preach right there. Some people get it in the blue the next day, but it's like anytime you get an unexpected blessing, you should invest it. I'm just preaching for free. That's just for free. Okay. But King Solomon understood the power of inviting God into what he's called to do. And I pray we, 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 we tap into that as well. First King chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, says this. Again, I'm picking up right in the middle of his prayer. He prayed this to God. And I believe it's something that we should all emulate. Verse 7 says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your, of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me understanding, an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. It's a powerful prayer. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and I've not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And then verse 13, God's like, I'll even throw a bonus in there because you asked me for the right thing. Verse 13, I will give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Can you say amen? How awesome is that? Someone who understands, hey, this calling is bigger than me. I need the grace of God and the wisdom of God to lead me. And that's, that's us. That's any one of us who are trying to tap into God's will for us. It's like, man, whatever God's called you to do, you can't do it on your own. You need his wisdom. You need his strength. You need his perspective. Can you say amen? So called to create, we have to establish this off the bat, that from the beginning God said, I created you with the ability to create. This is not a matter of who is creative or who is not. It's a matter of am I tapping into the creativity that God has already blessed me with? It's already in me. It's about tapping into what he wants to do through me. Can you say amen? We were created to create. And I want to make clear to us that when, when Solomon prays for wisdom and understanding, it's a loaded prayer because wisdom has different meanings to it. And so if you're taking notes, this is what we're trying to get to with this message today is that when we say you're called to create, creativity looks like this. Right? Creativity is about wisdom in action. Everybody knows something. That's knowledge. Wisdom is what to do with the knowledge. He didn't ask for knowledge. He asked for wisdom. 
We all know people who know a lot of things, but they don't do anything. Don't elbow anybody. Right? We all know people who, no matter what you tell them, I know. It's like, if you know, why are you not doing it? If you know, how come your life doesn't look like you know? Your head seems to know it, but your life doesn't seem to get the clue that you know it. Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Solomon is asking for wisdom in action. Another word for creativity is innovation. He's saying, man, how do I make the most of what's in front of me? Innovation is about working with what's in front of you and make something out of it. He's asking for strategic ideas. In order for us to fulfill the calling of God in our lives, we need strategic ideas. That's when wisdom comes into play, right? It has to be that there is a divine appointment and a divine touch on what we're trying to do that makes the difference. And my favorite definition of creativity with wisdom is problem solving. It's about problem solving. Think about it, right? We live in a society of people who can tell you what the problem is, like it's revelation. You ever talk to people who talk to you about a problem, like it's a revelation, like no one else knows that that's a problem? Do you know what the problem is? It's like, oh, please tell me, Captain Obvious. I didn't notice that we got a problem. Like some people talk about problems like it's revelation. Wisdom looks at a problem and begins to calculate what is the solution to this problem. I'm not here just to point out the problem. I'm here to work on a solution to this problem. So we need more captain problem solvers than we need captain obvious. Here's my favorite one. Pastor, you know what's wrong with this church? I'm like, you only saw one thing? There's about 100 things wrong. I'm looking for you to, to enlist being part of the solving the problems, not adding to the problems. So we need wisdom, and wisdom is creativity in action. Can you say amen? And when you study Solomon's life, you see this reality, that he accomplished so many things because he understood that I need the wisdom of God to be able to take care, to manage, to steward everything that he's placed in front of me. Can you say amen? I want to share with you his accomplishments because you need to see the, the, the broad range of how wisdom works. It works in many ways. If you allow it, if you invite the Spirit of God to be part of that process with you. Number one is, he was the first person to build a temple for God. Temple took him about seven years to build. And by the time he was done with it, he became one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. People would come from all over the world to come see this temple that he built for God. Even though God was like, I don't need a temple. I don't dwell in a building. I'm allowing you to be able to have a place that you can say you can come and worship me. But the truth is, I'm with you wherever you are. Right? But it took him seven years because he said, I'm not going to give something to God that's half-hearted. That's a message right there. A lot of people are trying to give God leftovers and asking God for 100% blessing. He wrote 3,000 Proverbs. Proverbs are spiritual sayings with practical applications for life. If you're having a hard time reading the Bible, start in the Proverbs. Just daily practical wisdom about life, about business, about marriage, about parenting, like every part of life. He wrote 3,000 wisdom sayings for you to live a better life. A proverb a day would keep the doctor away. So if you're having a hard time, go to Proverbs and read it. He wrote 1,005 songs. Just Stevie needs to get his game up. That's a lot of songs. It's hard to write one song. 
He wrote a thousand and five of them. Right? This man was tapping into God's wisdom. Number three, he established trade links with other countries that led to the economic prosperity in Israel. Did you know that he made Israel one of the most wealthiest nations of his time? Because he tapped into the wisdom of God and said, why don't we create trade links with other countries that would prosper us? So in other words, wisdom doesn't just prosper you, it prospers those around you. Number four, he initiated industrial activities and exploited copper deposits. If you know anything about copper deposits, you know there's money in copper. If you know how to work it. So here's a guy beyond his time working out the wisdom that God put inside of him to bring prosperity to his nation. Can you say amen? Keep going. Number five, he developed diplomatic relations with foreign countries that led to a peaceful reign. You know how hard that is to do in that time period where everybody wants to go to war with you? He, you, he tapped into the wisdom of God to be able to be a peacemaker. Can I make a point here, my friends? Man, how much do we need peacemakers in our nation right now? We need people who can tap into God's wisdom. Because here's another thing. Anyone can start a fight. That doesn't take rocket science to start a fight. Everybody's angry about something right now. Like, people today will start a fight with you just because you were zoned out. They think you're looking at him wrong. What, are you looking at me? No, I'm just zoned out, man. I'm just, I didn't even see you. <laughs> you know? Isn't it true? People get mad at you because they're mad at themselves. That will preach right there. But we need peacemakers. You may not call to, 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 to reign a, a nation, but you're called to bring peace to wherever you are. You know, we need to learn to work with people, not against people. And if you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to see people as an opportunity, not an obstacle. That's a word. Number six, he built a professional army with horse chariots. Beyond his time, he had 12,000 horsemen. In other words, hey, here's Solomon's wisdom. I'm going to do everything I can to be at peace with you, but don't test me. Amen. Try Jesus, but don't try me. This is Solomon's wisdom. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, he's like, I'm ready. I, I'm going to live at peace, but you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for war. Which for us, it's not physical war, it's spiritual war. It's like we don't wrestle flesh and blood. We're not wrestling people. We're wrestling principalities. So we got to be ready with the armor of God. Ready already to take on whatever's coming against us. Look, seven, he was known as a great judge of difficult cases. Did you know this? You can Google this. Solomon is used as a blueprint for how to do law well. You know, Solomon has helped to build the Western understanding of how we do justice and law. That's his part of his legacy. If you go study for yourself, this man lived with the wisdom of God in such a way that his wisdom is still influencing the way we live today. And here's a bonus addition to his accomplishment. In today's dollars, his net worth is $2 trillion. How's that for a stimulus check? He could have been the stimulus package man of our time. Now, I put that in there because a lot of times I think in church, we have, we have really downplayed the power of blessings. Because how are you going to bless people if you don't have anything to bless them with? And, and let's be real, money is a terrible God, but it's a powerful resource. See, the Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money. But money in the right hands can be a lot of blessing and can, and can bless a lot of people, can help a lot of people if you know what you're doing. 
So my friends, this is what wisdom, problem solving, innovation does. All of us have the ability to create if we're allowing the grace of God, the wisdom of God to be part of our everyday affairs. Can you say amen? See, again, I want to say this. A creative person is simply a problem solver. A creative person comes face to face with a problem. They invite God into it and they begin to work on the solutions to the problem. For them, it's not enough to point the problem out. They need to find a way to get around the problem. And we know this, that God loves to be part of those situations. As a matter of fact, if you, if, you, if you follow God long enough, you know that God will make you get stuck on purpose. So you can turn to him. So he can finally say, are you going to let me be God now in your life? Right? Some people are complaining about the problem, but the reality is your problem is actually an opportunity for God to show up and do something that you can't do on your own. See, here's the thing, though. God won't do everything for you. We love prayer requests. We love praise reports. But the truth is, God will not always do things for you. God will give you the wisdom to tackle situations. I heard a preacher say, sometimes you pray for a table, God will give you a seed. Because you know a seed leads to a tree, and a tree, if you work it, you can get a table out of it. <laughs> you know, it's the guy in the basement, God, I need a job. God's like, where's your resume? Give me something to work with. Right? Because your resume might lead to an open door, but if you're over there sitting, you know, playing Call of Duty with your bowl of cereal in your underwear, it's talking about God, bless me. Oh, y'all ain't gonna talk to me today. Some people are not looking for God, they're looking for magic. Focus, focus. <laughs> you know, when Jesus fed 5,000 people, everybody was sitting around waiting for lunch. He told his disciples, you feed them. I don't think he was being sarcastic. He was saying, like, what are we gonna do about this? And they're like, what do you mean? Like, there's 5,000 people here, how are we supposed to feed them? It's amazing to me that in 5,000, one little boy had the insight to say, hey, maybe if I bring my lunch to him, he could do something with this. See, the thing is, a lot of times people are asking for something, but what are you bringing to the table for God to be able to multiply and do something with it? Hey, here's what blew my mind about that story. 5,000 adults, no one moved but a kid. This is why we need childlike faith, to believe that all things are possible if I'm bringing God into the mix. Can you say amen? See, God won't give, do everything for you. God will give you the wisdom to create solutions. Sometimes you pray, and God won't change the circumstances, but he changes you to deal with the circumstance that you're dealing with. Sometimes the problem is we go to God expecting one result, and God's like, no, I got a whole other thing I want to do through this. Right? Everybody wants the testimony, but no one wants to go through the test. Everybody wants the message, but no one wants to untangle the mess to get to the message. That takes wisdom. That takes innovation. And let's keep it be honest today. Without creativity, life is just boring. Like, can we be honest that a lot of us are stuck because we're not creative? Let me say it better. It's not that we're not creative. We're not tapping into the creativity that God has already afforded us. Let me get practical. Some of us, our marriage is suffering not because it's such a hard hill to climb. It's because you stop being creative in your marriage. 
Some of y'all, you're not in a spiritual warfare. You're just stuck in being bored by doing the same old every single day and expect a different result. Can I get more clear what I'm trying to say? Some of y'all, your marriage just needs a little tweak. Instead of keep wearing flannels to bed, why don't you put on something that makes them want to look at you in a look? Talking about we in a warfare. No, you bored. You're just bored. Some people don't need the devil to do anything. Matter of fact, I think the devil is like, that person, leave him alone. He's already doing it. I think some people are not a threat to the devil. He's like, oh, he gets up every day, he does the same old thing, he goes to church, he punches him in the box, leave that guy alone, he's already doing it, we don't have to do anything. Remind him of what the problem are. Make him highlight the problems. You know what the problem is? Yeah, tell him, tell him, tell him. Some people don't need the enemy, they are the enemy. In 2020, we found out very quickly that if you're not creative, man, it, it, it was like five years in one. Right? It forced you to be creative as a parent in 2020. Right? It forced you to take a second look and say, what are we going to do with all this time we have in our hands? We're going to kill each other. Right? A lot of it is not this crazy spiritual warfare. It's just that we stop tapping into that inner child in us that, is, that believes in possibilities, that believes that there's a way, that believes that we can make something out of nothing, that believes that, hey, if we fell in love before, we can fall in love again. If we did it before, we can do it again. If God did it before, he can do it again. It's about tapping into that wisdom that's already ours. Think about it. Like, some of us, you know, your relationship with God is struggling because you've stopped being creative. I used to be a youth pastor. I used to tell the kids all the time, hey, if you're bored... Guess who's boring? I'm a grown man. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to steer you in the right direction. It's up to you to take that creativity and do something that makes you come alive and, and pursue God and follow the will of God instead of following your emotions. A lot of people are on the warfare. All you are is stuck in a rut. I don't want to simplify life, but the reality is a lot of it is just a lack of creativity. Like, how are you going to approach a God who creates sunsets and, and sunrises and has different times of season, and, and we're about to enter into spring and to fall, a God who's always changing things up, and we keep finding him stuck in the same rut that we're doing? Let me, let, me, let me mess you up for a second. Sometimes people say, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. You know what I say? I probably don't believe in that God neither. I probably don't believe in that God because we create little gods with our little understandings and, and with our little perspectives as opposed to like maybe perhaps God is saying, I want you to stop believing in something that you created for yourself and stop believing in a real God that can do things in real time, in real life. Maybe it's not a crisis of faith, it's a crisis of creativity. Some people, all they need is to stop simply... Reading the same Bible you read 20 years ago, get a different translation. It's not that hard. People are like, it blows my mind where religious people, bored out of their minds, will defend a certain Bible translation, angry, upset. This is the only, you know, especially King James people. It's like, that's funny though, because you, you, you don't talk like that. No one else talks like that. 
So you're saying that we cannot evolve and progress with the language that God wants to speak to us and wouldn't what God wants to do continue to grow and expand your understanding of who he is or do you want to get st stuck in the 1600s? Do you want to live in the Middle Ages? Because you have an iPhone. All right. Some people, some churches, you know, all we're going to do is hymns. Hey, that's great, but you want to live in the 1500s? Or does God continue to give you creativity to keep writing songs like Solomon kept writing songs and kept bringing new perspective and new revelation and new understanding of who God is? Some people can't compute how can Stevie rap for God in church. Why not? Who said he can't? Who created music? Again, we pigeonhole God to our traditions and understanding and we miss God in the process. Some people, they don't need an enemy. They are the enemy. They have, they've stuck themselves in this perspective. And, and, and you know what happens? Things around you begin to lose flavor. Like, this thing of following God is supposed to be an exciting thing. Not a, this redundant, hum, dum, I got to read my Bible. As if God's in heaven going, please read your Bible. I would love for you to read your Bible. Like, I don't know who we think God is. You know, like, I don't know what God we create in our little minds to think that he is just God who hates fun. So my question becomes, who gave us our sense of humor? Can't be the devil, because he is no fun. <laughs> right? As if, as if God doesn't want you to have fun and be creative and enjoy you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Joy! Some believers, you're like, what happened to that fruit? Sour saints. They know the King James, but they have no joy. It's like, man, forget King James. I need the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I need to know that he's with me and he's for me. Because let's be real, those who are creative can turn anything into fun. Don't you love getting around people who just know how to have fun? Right? Because we all have been around people who just sucks life out of you. Right? Come on, let's be honest. You all, you have, there's some people that you spend five minutes with them, you need a nap. Because they'll drain everything out of you. Those people know all the problems. No solutions. You ever talk to those people, you're like, I'm fading by the minute. And you're like, I also don't believe in God anymore. Like, <laughs> it's contagious. But then there's people you get around that just gives life and gives purpose. And you're like, man, now I can do all thanks to Christ who gives me strength because you have faith. And your faith inspires my faith. And your creativity inspires my creativity. I know we're supposed to be Christians, but there are some people that I want to love from a distance. There are some people I just want to say hi to you from far. Hi. I'll see you in heaven. Because up there you can't suck life out of nothing. I want to get around some people who believe in possibilities, who believe that we can do all things through Christ. If I wanted to be reminded of the problems, I would sit in front of a TV and watch the news. 
I don't know about you, I don't even watch the news anymore. I don't need it in my life. It's not adding any value to my life. I go to the headlines, okay, headlines, okay, I'm caught up. That's what I'm doing nowadays. Oh, stimulus coming, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, even preachers, we're guilty of this. You know, you ever hear the preachers who say, I'm just preaching the Bible. It's like, if you were just preaching the Bible, you would have just read from the Bible, just like read the whole time. That's reaching from the Bible. The reality is the Bible needs to be interpreted, and it's interpreted through your personality. It's interpreted to how you see the world. Therefore, don't tell me you're just preaching the Bible. You're just boring. And then they get mad at you for being creative. It's like the problem with churches is not the devil. It's that we're bored. But I'm just preaching the truth. I don't know how Jesus preached it, man. He was pretty exciting. Like Jesus was amazing. He was fascinating. He knew how to like grab your attention. He knew how to speak to you. Even his enemies had to pay attention. <laughs> Listen, he said, you got to have childlike faith. He wasn't saying be a little kid. He was saying, don't lose that sense of wonder. Don't lose a sense of possibilities. Don't lose a sense that you can bring your little lunch and I can make it into a miracle. That's what he was saying. Don't lose that sense of what could be possible. Some of us need to get around some kids. Like, I have the privilege of being around five knuckleheads every single day. And you know what they do all the time? They have a ton of questions. And I love that, and it's also very annoying. It's awesome because it tells you they're exploring. They're, they're trying to learn. They're trying to understand. My son, five-year-old, the other day said, Dad, what's the sun? I said, Alexa, can you help me? Son. <laughs> but I love that because, because there's, a, there's, a, there's a wonder of like, man, what is there? At some point in life, we lose it. And Jesus was talking to grown men and grown women saying, don't lose that sense of wonder, that childlike. Like, what are the possibilities? What could happen if we stepped out of faith? What could happen if we believed God? What could happen if we launched the business? What could happen if we created more things that could make more things? What could happen is the possibilities of creativity. We need to tap into that inner child again, friends. We're, I'm preaching to myself, we're taking ourselves way too serious. I think God is going, man, y'all are too serious. Lighten up. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. <laughs> what? Yo, did you know that they say the average kid laughs 30,000 times a day, the average adult about 100? Somewhere we lost that. I need us to step out in faith today and do something about that little kid in us. Can, can, can we go on a little adventure together, just for a minute? Can, can, see, because you're adults, I have to bribe you. I would like to give away a $20 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. Who would like a $20 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts? All you got to do is tap into that inner kid. You ready? You see that sheet of paper that I gave you? Here's where you're going to tap into a little kid to... to maybe win a $20 gift card in this church right now. All I need you to do is tap into that inner kid and make a paper airplane. Can you make a paper, a paper airplane? Like, you got 30 seconds, though. I'm going to put on the clock right here. Like some of y'all never had a childhood. You can't make a paper airplane in 30 seconds. 
So here we go, 30 seconds on the clock right now. If you made one already, stand up. If you made one already, stand up. Now, write your name on it. Write your name on it right now. Write your name and stand up. You got 10 seconds. If you're not up in 10 seconds, you are disqualified. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You're disqualified if you're not up. Never made a airplane in your life. Now here's how you're gonna win this gift card. Here's how you're gonna win this gift card, all right? Here's how you're gonna win this gift card right now if you're up, right? The closest airplane to this gift card wins. Go ahead, throw your airplane, let me see. You get one shot, you get one shot. You get one shot. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, going once, going twice, go ahead. Shoot your shot. Oh, that was pretty, hey. That was pretty good. Oh, all right, all right, nice try. Are we done? Have a seat. So, the closest airplane is Christy. Christy, where are you? You got the closest airplane. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. There's lessons here, there's lessons here. Watch this. Problem solving is about facing it and doing something about it, right? Here's the catch. I said stand up. I never said you couldn't move. I am sick and tired in our society where people are stuck where they are, but they don't move to where they want to go. So we need to start making excuses for where we are and start moving towards where we need to be. I'm sick and tired of black people complaining, white people complaining, Latino people complaining, Christians complaining, agnostics complaining. How about you make something with what God has trusted you? You live in America, make moves and walk towards what you want in life. No one told you you couldn't move. People complain about New Bedford, but there are so many parts to New Bedford. Why don't you move to the right part of New Bedford? Why don't you, why don't you take your stimulus check and save it and buy yourself a better house and buy your children a better house? Stop making excuses for where you are and move towards where God wants. Here's another one. I heard some of y'all say, I don't have a pen. But what happened to the people around you who do have a pen? Why don't you ask somebody to lend you a pen? Why don't you tell somebody, how are you doing that? How are you getting ahead? How are you making a big? How are you getting a breakthrough? How come your marriage is not stuck? How come your kids are not acting up? Ask somebody. Because you make moves or make excuses. Too many excuses. Not enough moves. Something powerful would happen if I start tapping into that inner child that believes in possibilities. Because a kid will run around and find a pen. Won't wait for someone to give him a pen. Everybody's waiting for a handout. And no one's moving towards what they want to get. My friends, this is unacceptable. It's unbiblical. Because creativity is taking full advantage of what's in front of me. Make moves or make excuses.
It's, it's impossible to make progress while you're making excuses. You got to pick one over the other every single time. And remember this, when you, when you choose an excuse, you chose a course of action in the wrong direction. Creativity is about naming the object, praying and springing into action, and trust God with the results. Can you say amen? amen. Your one-on-one -on -one with God will go a long way. Think about it. God made sure you have a unique fingerprint. No one has your fingerprint. Did you know that? Seven billion people in the world, no one has your fingerprint. Which tells me that God has a unique way that he speaks to me. So my quest should be to find out how, God, do you speak to me in a unique way instead of me wasting energy and time comparing myself to other people. <laughs> Jesus told Peter, when Peter was saying, what about John? You know what Jesus told John? Mind your business. Yeah. I want us to do something. Why don't we make mind your business great again? The guy is gone with his hat. Let's make a new hat. Mind your business, great again. Because who are we going to blame now? I don't think God's boring. I think we are. I've never been bored with the word. I've been reading it every day. And I'm not exaggerating. I've been reading the Bible every day for 22 years. I'm still not bored with it. Because I'll keep finding different ways to read it. I'll find different translations. I'm not confined to a translation or a denomination or a culture or a thing that someone else put in my path. I can get around those challenges and get to God. I don't get bored with church because I know my why. My why is very strong. When you don't have a strong why, anything becomes boring. You know what? This is why Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm because lukewarm means you're just bored. It means you have no, no outlet. Again, we over-spiritualize that. It's as simple as how creative are you with your approach to God? Your approach to ministry, your approach to your marriage, how you approach to your children. It's all about breaking the routine so that life can take place. Can you say amen? I want to say this again. A lack of creativity leads to a lukewarm faith. A few weeks ago, we talked about that parable that Jesus shared, right, about the talents. Remember that parable where he said, I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to trust you. When I come back, I want to see a result. Remember the third guy who got eight, between eighteen dollars to $20,000? He didn't do anything with it. He sat on it. Remember what he said? He said, I sat on it because I was worried and I was afraid that you are a hard man to please. I didn't want to jack this up. Remember that? So, my friends, think about this. The response to that guy was, you are lazy. He didn't say you are careful. He said you are lazy. Which tells me... That laziness is the enemy of creativity. Because think about this. He could have done a few things. Number one, he had guys around him who were multiplying. Why didn't he ask one question? Why didn't he say to one of these guys, man, what are you guys doing? How are you multiplying that? Because a lack of creativity leads to lack of questions. You know something is died on the inside of you when you have no questions. I used to tell my high school students all the time, if you don't have questions, you're not living. You either know everything or you don't care. 
He didn't ask one question. Here's another thing he didn't do. He didn't research one solution. Think about it. Right now, all of us have this thing in the palm of our hands. Man, I use Google every single day. I wish when 2020 hit, someone would have told me that Zoom would have taken off because, man, I would have bought stocks <laughs> on Zoom. Because you can either look at porn or you can look at stocks. You can either DM someone or you can praise someone. Like, it's what you want to do with the tool that's right in your hand. You can research how to make something better or you can research how to make a dumb move. He didn't research anything. He assumed that the owner would be okay with this. Now, here's the one that got me this time, because every time you read the Bible, you get something new. Here's what got me this time when I read it again. It was, man, watch this. He said, he said you are a hard man to please. I didn't want to not please you, so I, I, I hid this. In other words, lack of creativity would turn you into a victim. Lack of creativity will make you say, it's, the reason why I didn't do it is because of this guy. It's because of that guy. It's because of Trump. And no, 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 it's because of Biden. No, 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 it's because of my neighborhood. No, 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 it's because of my church. No, 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 it's because of my friend. No, 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 it's because of, because of, because of, and next thing you know, you are buried in excuses and you're a victim instead of a victor. That's why he says you're, you, you're a lazy servant. You lack creativity. And your lack of creativity turned you into a victim because you didn't do anything with what's in front of you. All you did was make excuses with what was trusted to you. Listen, my friends, you are one prayer away from a breakthrough sometimes. It's about inviting God into situations and circumstances you find yourself in. The brother of James, Jesus, the brother of J uh, Jesus, James said this. He said, if you need wisdom, if you need creative strategy, if you need innovation, if you need a breakthrough, Ask a generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Think about it. Put the two and two together. He rebuked them as a weak and lazy servant because he never asked questions. He said, man, you just assume. But you didn't ask. How do I turn this into a prophet? How do I turn this marriage into a blessing? How do I turn my kids into God, godly followers? How do I take this ministry to the next level? How do I take this business, even in the middle of a pandemic, and ask God to bless it? How, how, God, how, God, I refuse to hide this thing and to sit on it and to blame everybody. Please write this down. Desperation and a firm determination leads to action. Desperation and a firm determination leads to action. Sometimes you got to get tired of being tired to do something about it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I find myself whining and complaining, I like to talk to myself and say, is this what we're going to be? Are we going to be whiners and complaining? What would the apostle Paul do? What would Jesus do? What would Peter do? What would Moses do? What would David do? Are you going to sit here and just complain and whine about the fact that things are not going your way? Are you going to step into the wisdom that God has given you to be able to find a way where there seems to be no way? Because desperation and determination leads to action. My friends, this whole series is out of this question that's been burning inside of me. This whole series, you have an assignment. It's all about this one question. How 
can we get the most of what's in front of us? That's what I'm trying to get us to. That's what I feel the Spirit is leading us to. Because everybody's waiting for one more thing and do nothing with what's right in front of them. You know, I joke about the stimulus, but you know, some people already blew it instead of investing it. Some people got it in two days, it's gone. Because they didn't have the hindsight to say, wait, this money that I did not expect came my way, why don't I take some of it and invest for the future so that I can be able to prosper myself and position myself to be better in the future so my kids can be better in the future. So I don't know about you, but I got stocks. I want to spread my seeds and trust God with the results. We're not going to play this false humility of, you know, God will always take care of you. Yes, he will with the seeds he gave you. With what he trusted you with. Listen, I want to get personal with you for a second and tell you what's burning in me. I want to ask you to help me pray for wisdom, for strategy. Because I believe there's so much more that God wants to do. Do you know what burns in me? If you really know me, not assume. A lot of people assume that they know you. There's a, there's a stigma, you know, a pastor must be a certain way. But people don't even know you. They just assume. They just make assumptions. Like the guy, I assume that you're a pastor, therefore you only care about money. You only care about this. You only care. You're assuming. You know how many people don't like you because they assume things about you? And worst is that they listen to the people that assume things about you, about you. Don't get me preaching on that. But let me tell you what's burning inside of me, if you know me. is how many people can we reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Man, that question burns me. Wakes me up in the middle of the night. Puts a pep to my step to wake up every day. God, how many more people can we get to know you? Because when they know you, they know life. They have meaning. They have purpose. They have understanding. They have an identity. We need to get people to know Jesus. If you know me, everything that we do in this church is trying to point people to Jesus. I wrote a book. Did you know that? Here's a better question, though. Did you read it? Because here's the thing. How are we going to be on mission if we're not taking advantage of the tools that God's given us? You know why I wrote that book? Because of that question. God, how do I get people to take a second look at Jesus? Because so many people have gotten tangled up in religion. All they know is what they, they, they grew up in. All they know is the wrong perspective of it. God, how do we clear the debris out of the way so people can meet you? Like John the Baptist said, I'm here to prepare the way for the Lord to come and meet people. That's why I wrote this book. That's the intention of my heart. I, I, that's why it drives me, it compels me to keep pushing it. Not for me, but because I want others to know this Jesus that has changed my life forever. And it's still changing my life. And it will continue to change my life. My friends, is that what burns inside of us? Because here's what I see. When those things are not burning inside of us, we focus on all the wrong things. I'm seeing believers get caught up on who is more theological, who's more woke, who is a false teacher, who is this, who is that. But it's like, man, why don't we get people to see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? We are bored because we're not on mission. 
Man, I want to get that book in as many hands as possible. Just yesterday, someone sent me a testimony. Someone who believes he's an agnostic. And he's like, I started reading your, your book, and it just drew me. And I want to read some more because it's speaking to me. And I heard another kid, 15 years old, went to his father and said, Dad, I want to get baptized. The father said, why do you want to get baptized? He said, I just read this book, and I want to be like Jesus, and I want to follow Jesus. That's why we do this. Man, that's what burns in me. The people to Jesus. Because they get to Jesus, they get to life. That's why we do this. You know what else is burning in me? How do we start another campus so people can find a new life church next to where they live? I've been thinking so much about Taunton and Brockton. There's an area there, and I feel like strongly about it. We were making, we were making some decisions before COVID hit, and COVID put everything on hold, but now it's burning again. God, how do we get people to follow you where they are? Because I believe we should have a new life in every neighborhood so people can say, come find life, come find meaning, come find healing, come find purpose. You know what else is burning in me? I'm Cape Verdean, and I can't shake it, that I need to help reach people in Cape Verde with the gospel of Jesus. My friends, that's my assignment. I believe as a church, God will give us an assignment together. And we can all embrace and say, let's, let's, let's put our energy. Can you imagine if we put our energy and our prayers and our finances into reaching people? You know, this week we celebrated one year of our food pantry. We opened it in the middle of the pandemic. You know that in one year, that food pantry has fed 20,000 people, 26,000 people. It's what happens when you put your energy towards something edifying. I don't have time for theological fights and debates and who is this and who is that. My friends, I find that stuff utterly boring. I don't read the Bible to prove people wrong. I read the Bible to point people to Jesus. I'm telling you, this is what's burning in me. And I believe all of us can play a role in it. That's why I believe that's why God brings us together. There are things he wants to do with you personally, but the things he wants to do with us corporately to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus. I'm telling you, that book is a tool. Some people are like, how do I share Jesus? Well, invest in someone's soul. Because my friends, what I want to leave with us today is what will be your creative contribution starting at home? Your family needs your creativity. Your church needs your creativity. We don't need more Captain Obvious. We don't need more critics. We got enough. We got enough. We need contributors. What will be your creative contribution to your job? You know what, Revelation? If you just show up to your job with a better attitude, that place will be better. What will be your contribution to your community? And what will be your contribution to the world? Next week, we'll talk about call to the world. And I'm going to introduce you to a woman from our church who is in Honduras right now, spending three months doing amazing work in Honduras. The worship team, you guys can come up as we close this morning. As always, I like to close in a practical way. Here's how I believe we can all be creative. Number one, ask God for wisdom. Ask him for creative strategy. Don't complain, don't whine, ask for wisdom. 
Sometimes, I don't know about you, I'll be in the middle of something, I'll go pray and leave it alone and come back and see it different. Get a different perspective. You know they say sleep on it? I say pray on it. Pray on it and watch God move. Sometimes God won't even change the circumstances, but man, he changes you to deal with that circumstance. Listen, how can I do it better? It, whatever that is. I believe we should always be improving. The moment you think your marriage is good, you're in trouble. We're having a marriage seminar this coming weekend with 100 couples because we want our marriage to be better. And we invited a couple that lives in California to come and be with us. They're actually here right now. I want to say hi to, to these guys. They're right here. Um, and they're going to lead us into this marriage seminar because we can always get better. How can my parenting get better? How can my business get better? How can my church get better? Do you ever ask that question, how do I make this church better? What would be my contribution to this place? I don't want to just attend it. How can I make it better? Don't be a Monday morning quarterback. Everybody tells you what you should be doing in the here of the moment, but they're not doing anything. Listen, I love this one. Who is doing it well? Because if I have eyes, I'll plagiarize. Unless you're a student, do not plagiarize in school. But you can emulate those who are making right moves. Isn't it amazing how quickly we like to share bad news? You know that marriage is in trouble. You know that kid. But it's like, I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of marriages are doing really well. And I look to them, and I emulate them, and I say, how can I get my marriage to be like that? Let me tell you a secret about ministry. I'm very picky and selective about who gets to bring counsel. Here's why. Everybody has something to say. I go beyond what you said. I want to look at your fruits. Does your fruits connect to what you're saying? Because if it doesn't, what do you have to tell me? That's what I'm saying. Listen, be selective about who gets to be in the inner circle of your life. Because the last thing I want is someone to tell me how marriage is terrible, how it's bad. Why? Because Johnny broke your heart. I'm not Johnny. And I'm sorry if there's any Johnnies in here. <laughs> Muhammad, Confucius, Shaquina. I'm trying to come up with names that... I'm very selective with the ministries that I follow. I don't want to follow ministries who are bent on telling you the world is ending, we're going to, to die, and let me tell you all about the false teachers. No, I want to follow ministries who are saying, how do we get more people to follow this amazing Jesus that we love so much? My life is too precious to be feeding negativity all the time, and worse is when it's in the name of God. Discern who you let in. Sometimes, I'm blown away by this, we don't discern the enemy. Sometimes people are in church, they're doing really well, and what do they do? They let the wrong person say, come on, man, do you really want to go to church? Do you really think this? Do you think these guys are really going to care about you? And blah, blah, blah. In the meantime, you don't stop to say, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Get behind me. Very selective. 
you know me. Very selective. So everybody can have an opinion. But you have a say. I have a pastor. He has a pastor. Because we understand the power of commitment and loyalty. We live in a day and age where everybody in the church, let's be honest, people are more quick to, to throw shade than to be a blessing. Let's be real. You're a blessing until you're not. <laughs> let's be real. So be very selective about who gets to be part of the inner circle that you say, man, when you speak, I listen. Because you have fruits. And lastly, what's a minor tweak for this week? We have a saying, get better by 1%. Just get better by 1%. What can you do this week that's going to make something in your life better? You know, we do tweaks in church all the time. We had service yesterday, and between yesterday and today, we already made so many tweaks. You may not even know about it, but we do. Always working to make this thing better. Always working to say, oh, how do we minister better? And I love that we have people in this church who are into it. I love that people, we have people that, they're not part of the staff, but man, they love the church. For me, they are what we call unpaid staff because they're always thinking about the church. They love the church. They want to be part of it. They want to make it better. And my friends, those are the people I want to roll with. I want to roll people, when I say Allah, they say Luya. When I say jump and they say, oh, hi, because we know why we're doing it for. We're doing it to glorify God. I don't know about you, man. There's enough pessimist people out there. Love cynicals. I need some believers around me. And the last thing, <laughs> one last thing I'm going to say is, I don't need that believer that tells you, can I be honest with you? Because you know what comes after that. Can I throw up on you? When was the last time someone said, can I be honest with you? And they, and they follow up with like amazing prophetic voice. What if we started saying, can I be honest with you, man? My God can do exceedingly above. You can never ask or think of. Can I be honest with you? We can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. Can I be honest with you? My God is not done yet. If we're not dead, he's not done yet. Can I be honest with you? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Can I be honest with you? My best days are yet to come. Can I be honest with you? If God be for me, who can be against me? Can I be honest with you? I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. How about some faith honesty? Come on, stand with me as we pray this morning. Come on, I want us to pray to receive wisdom, creativity. I want us to receive ideas. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.